And often I've found that when we ask God for help, He sends the people that love us to answer those prayers. Christ is so simple. His arithmetic is a child can comprehend it. At the end of the day, I think people in general want to say yes. We want to help people accomplish their goals, but most people stop themselves. Like we're our own worst enemy. Hello and welcome to Latter-day Profiles. I'm Brian Howard. We're here at the LDS Motion Picture Studio in Provo, Utah. And joining me today is Levi Hepri. Levi, welcome. It's Thank good, you. Good to have you here. Thank you. It's good to be here. Levi is the Director of Intercultural Strategy of Deseret Book. We're going to talk about that and see what that means. Also do a lot of initiatives with diversity, equity, and inclusion, or DEI as the term is now. And uh, Levi, let's talk about where you're from. you got an interesting background. Uh, where'd you grow up? Yeah, so for the most part, Provo's home. Um, my heritage, so I'm half Maori from New Zealand, half Mohawk Native American. My tribe's ancestral lands are upstate New York. Um, my parents, I, you know, that, that kind of typical story met at BYU, mm. um, never left, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's awesome. And with that heritage, was that evident in your home growing up or was that far further back that you could see some of the influences? Yeah, very much there? so, very much evident, you know, and I think for a lot of people, you know, like myself, it, it took a little bit to realize that I was different. You mm. know, we had the privilege of going to powwows and luau's when I was younger and didn't realize that all my other friends weren't doing that same kind of stuff. So, <laughs> uh, in combination between the two, what were some of the things you do based on both both sides of your parents' heritage? Well, we used to have a lot of opportunities to go back to New Zealand, spend mm -hmm. time with my grandparents. You know, it was a different time, you know, when you could go and your parents could walk you up to the airplane, you know, just put you on there <laughs> yeah. with, you know, minimal guardianship. Um, so we used to have a lot of chances to spend time with them. And then mm -hmm. as we got a little bit older, um, they, my grandparents would come over and visit us. And then we would always drive all the way out to New York to, mm -hmm. to visit the reservation a couple of times. Um, it's about a three day drive. Yeah. So that wasn't, the drive was not my favorite uh, <laughs> visiting relatives and family was. So. Yeah, the family time on the drive is always a little bit interesting. Right? Yeah. So uh, go a little bit deeper on like the powwows and other things. Paint a picture for us. What kind of things would you do? Yeah, for sure. So um, again, we had the privilege, I think, of a lot of times my dad worked for multicultural student services mm -hmm. at BYU um, and they put on a lot of the different cultural celebrations. Oh, yeah. It's actually, a uh, similar position I had later on in my career was able to have. Um, so we grew up um, around those cultural celebrations of powwow and and visiting that, seeing all of our different relatives come in um, and luau's and and really growing up around those different intercultural experiences, multicultural experiences. You know, aside from the things that we'd get at home from yeah. our parents. Yeah, but it was enjoyable. Had fun with that. Yeah, very much so. Uh, you served a mission to Missouri. What was that experience like for you? It was awesome. It was awesome. I, I wish someone had told me how hard missions were, <laughs> right? I think that's a common thread I've heard. It's like, yeah. oh, definitely a good experience, eye-opening. Um, spent a lot of time in inner city, uh, North St. Louis, East St. Louis, mm. and um, eye-opening, I think, you know, we're where lots of people don't realize that there's many pockets of the country there's extreme poverty and and lots of lots of people who who can use help. Yeah. You went to BYU, studied communication. Mm -hmm. why, why, why was your choice? A good I'm, one. I like I'm that be one. Totally honest with you, I picked <laughs> the major because it didn't have math or ah, science on it, yeah. um, and I think that was initially. But as I started to use the major, I was like, actually, this is exciting. It was 
a little bit of business, a little bit of psychology, a little bit of, um, you know, marketing and those types of things and really understanding what we say, how we say it, what mediums we say it through. Yeah. That's so interesting that uh, you played rugby. BYU has a club team and really good club team, and you were able to play on those teams. Did, had you played a lot? How did you get involved in rugby? No, so uh, rugby is probably, I don't know if this is official, but it's probably the national sport of New Zealand. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think if so. anybody knows one rugby team, it's probably the New Zealand All Blacks. Yeah. Um, so grew up, um, we didn't have really great access to rugby, and so people in New Zealand would film the games like with VHS and then they would mail them over <laughs> and then it would just kind of get distributed throughout like the New Zealand Polynesian That's community fun. and you'd end up with some of those tapes and so we'd watch those. Um, grew up watching that, going to different games when I was younger as well. Um, and then, you know, went to college and needed something else to do other than homework. So that seems like a good option for me. Uh, it's a fun sport. It's pretty rough, though. You're a little rough and tumble. Yeah, it, there's some lifelong uh, <laughs> gifts that it's given me now. Memories that keep on aching, Yes, right? yes, late at night. <laughs> so after graduation, I thought it was interesting. You went to Oklahoma and did some inner city teaching. How, does that, how did that come about? Yeah, so a lot of that was really influenced. Um, I was lucky as, you know, the la latter part of my college year, um, to meet now who is my wife um, and I didn't realize it and until later she was kind of probing you know like mm. so what are you gonna do with life <laughs> like are we gonna be homeless if if this ends up working out um, and she was asking like well what do you want to do and I was like you know I, I've loved my cultures loved the influence that my family and my heritage has given me and I, I want to figure out some way to incorporate that into a career um, and so she's like, have you thought about like teaching? There's different programs that you can do where you teach in inner city schools. Um, and so I did that briefly. Um, and that was a wild, wild ride. Yeah. Um, you know, again, seeing different aspects of life and challenged the idea of even homework yeah. when many of my students didn't have a home to go to. Um, so it kind of changed my perspective on a lot of different pieces. Mm. So, you decided to further your education, University of Oklahoma. What, what uh, drove you that way? Um, I think, you know, we we're in that area. Um, they had an awesome graduate program um, that was adult and higher education. Um, it was of interest to me. Again, education, I felt like, was a, a good vehicle for changing the world. Um, and so decided to study that and then was thankfully able to do that and then work concurrently in their school of social work. Oh, okay. Yeah, how was that, uh, going to school and working at the same time? I'm sure that was it's pretty not busy. my favorite, <laughs> you know. It, it worked because, you know, you just work all day and then go to class all night mm. and then do homework, you know, at, at random times. But um, it was worth it. We didn't have any children at the time, so I was like, well, might as well put in the time now <laughs> that we time. have it. What did that job entail? What kind of things did you do with that? So I was uh, what's called like a field specialist. Um, and to be totally honest, you know, I'd, I hope that doesn't get back to anybody. My first day, I'd, I'd interviewed for the job, got the job. And my first day, I remember Googling what is social work. <laughs> I didn't, didn't realize what it was at all. Um, so I was a field specialist and I would help um, with their practicum placements. Mm. So students looking to work at different agencies, hospitals for DHS. And I would help just in various things and supporting the students, you know, their contracts, um, advising them in different pieces. So. 
So you really got an eye-opening experience. A lot of variety of people, different uh, backgrounds, different socioeconomic backgrounds. It yeah. must have been, a, a somewhat, I guess, enlightening. I don't know if it was a positive, negative. What was that experience like for you? It, it was very positive, very, I, again, I, you know, my, my eyes don't reflect it, but each experience has widened them mm. a little bit more as I've gone throughout my career. And I think um, it's just... It's just hard as you go around the world and you see people in different circumstances coming from different backgrounds with different ways of thinking. You know, it's, it's hard not to have your worldview changed. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I think that's something I've always been really grateful for. You ended up coming back to Provo, back to BYU. How'd, how'd that work out? It was really good. Um, opportunity came back. I, I don't know that I had always planned on that, um, but was able to come back and work in the admissions department. Um, and they quick, I think within a couple weeks of working, they sent me on my first trip yeah, and, and it was, again, it was like, I don't really know what I'm doing, but okay. <laughs> you know, and so, um, traveled around, um, got to do a lot of things on the recruitment and outreach side, again, visiting lots of different communities and really just hearing different opinions, you know, in terms of opinions on education, opinions about BYU opinions about the church, you know, and, and seeing those different perspectives, you know, and kind of working with people and helping them understand, you know, the overall mission, you know, maybe so much of the church, but BYU, but then also education in general and, and the chance that it had. Mm. The thing you took over, was it the job your dad had who worked in the multicultural student services? So, yeah, so he was the director, so he was uh, higher than I was. I was the <laughs> assistant director for a little bit at the multicultural yeah. office. Yeah, what, what do, does that job uh, entail? So um, I advised students, multicultural students, first generation, um, low socioeconomic students, um, and I had a queue of probably about 400 plus students wow. that I'd watch over and email and try to help through any number of things that students face. Um, I also oversaw their cultural programs. So, you know, became a person overseeing powwow and perspectives. They have luau, fiesta, um, a lot of different things like that. And then was also the program director over their SOAR program, oh. um, which is a summer camp that BYU runs for first generation multicultural, low socioeconomic students, students with limited access to education, to really bring them to BYU, help them to see themselves, if not at BYU, you know, we would have loved if everyone would have come to that um, institution, but to see themselves in an educational environment mm. and really show them that you can do this and, and you, can, you can change the world, you can be in a place where you could change the world. What are some of the biggest challenges with that? But I'm sure a lot of first-time students coming in don't know how to navigate the whole uh, higher education world. Uh, what was that like? Yeah, for sure. I think a lot of it, right, is rewiring our, our brains to use more inclusive terminology. Mm. Um, higher ed, businesses and stuff, we love acronyms. You know, yeah, and, yeah. and even for your well-seasoned student, you know, if you, you go to somebody and you say, like, I'm... This happened to me actually at the University of Oklahoma where I'd be advising students on, on paying their tuition and it just didn't connect that it was the office of the bursar oh, in, yeah. in the world of the bursar, <laughs> yeah. you know, that was where they went for their finances and just realizing some of these things we've kind of passed down, you know, a registrar's office. Yeah. It's like, what does that mean to somebody? You can kind of divine that maybe you go there for registration help. Um, but I think it's a lot of that kind of figuring out what's the terminology we've used for years and years yeah. 
and how can we make you know a sense of just just call it what it is you know a writing center <laughs> right. a health center you know those types of things a place where you pay your tuition <laughs> right yeah, yeah yeah so let's talk about your current position at desert book how did that how did that come about yeah so i i you know i've talked a lot about education and that was where i saw myself for years and years um i had started consulting on the side with desert book um Laurel Day, the president, had reached out to me, you know, and she'd said, we're, we're looking at doing some initiatives where we really try and be true to our mission of reaching all Latter-day Saints in every step of their journey. So I'd done that, was really enjoying it. And then kind of out of the blue, she had contacted me and said, hey, um, we, we have this need and, and your skill set seems to line up well with it. And, you know, at first I was like, I don't know, I never really worked in for-profit <laughs> institutions before. Mine's always been on the education side. Um, and, you know, through her encouragement and, you know, strong recruiting pitch, I, you know, came to do my position now. Mm. How long have you been at uh, this position? Just since February. Just since February, brand yeah. new. So let's talk about Director of Intercultural Strategy. Sounds pretty intense, but what exactly <laughs> goes on? What What's the objective? Yeah, for sure. So the objective, um, usually when... I see my job description written out, it has two different pieces to it, but to me it's it's one singular thing. Um, so I oversee all of our diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives, and then I'm helping us develop the international strategy um, for us to go international next year and years beyond as well. Um, so really a little, a big piece of it is that aspect, you know, of intercultural is really seeing that we have different people in different stages of life with different backgrounds and experiences. And truly, I think that's the value of the gospel and is my reading of why we gather Israel, right? Is that we have a lot of insights and backgrounds and experiences to help each other on, on our earthly journeys. And so I, I really feel blessed I get the cool opportunity to work through and do a lot of those different initiatives. Yeah, let's talk about the initiatives. So what are some of them? Give us a kind of concrete what yeah, do you do? Yeah, for sure. And I, I think that's an important thing too, you know, because I think those terms DEI are pretty charged you know, yeah, today. Yeah, yeah. And I think some people get scared <laughs> when, when they hear them. Um, but really, again, at its core is helping reach all Latter-day Saints in every step of their journey. And so what that means, right, is it might be in bringing on new content creators, new authors, artists, musicians, right, who tell different stories, again, not just for their specific communities, though that is important, but have the opportunity to tell a myriad of stories that I think can help us all. So again, there's that piece of it. There's internal pieces, right, when we onboard and bring different content creators, making sure we're being sensitive, right? The, the value of diversity is that Everybody thinks different. The difficult thing sometimes is that everybody thinks different, mm -hmm. right? You yeah, know, and yeah. We've all experienced that at a family reunion or two <laughs> where it's just like, man, everybody's got a different thought about this. Um, so it's being sensitive when we bring people on, when we educate our internal company, that's a piece of it on these different cultures, educating our customer base on these different pieces. And a lot of it is initiated from customers, right? That they want to hear these different perspectives um, of, of people from different backgrounds and how their faith is built and things, tips, tricks, whatever it might be that they've found help them again on their journeys. Mm -hmm. Tell me about some of the, the, the uh, 
a specific experience with this as you onboard people or as you have people reach out, what kind of things are they looking for? You know, especially there's such a, what, terms that are not defined really, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion. So we have to kind of figure out what that means. But what are kind of some of the things that they say and that you're looking for? Yeah, so I think it's, that's kind of the cool thing is, you know, we, we have the entity of the church, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that kind of drives us and gives us a framework. And then part of that is really as we're meeting with different people and getting different experiences, right? Everyone has different things to tell of moments in church history, mm -hmm. right? Um, we're doing a concert, for example, or we're celebrating Pioneer Day. Um, but a lot of people don't know we're telling untold stories, right? So there was the Vanguard Company, which included people of different cultures um, and specifically some of our black and African-American pioneers who came across on July 22nd, mm. you know, and many times we don't hear those stories. And so we've moved our concert to be in accordance with that, to tell the stories of those, you know, and, and the monument and stuff that they dedicated last year. This is the place heritage park. Um, and then from there it grows and grows, you know, as you have these examples of, okay, so we're telling that story. Well, and if, this is my own personal bias, right? But what about the people, the indigenous people who were there when the settlers came over? Um, have we heard about their experiences, good and bad, right? And some of the ways that their lives changed. And I think there's just a lot of really interesting things that, um, you know, and, you know, for, for better and for worse, we tend to hit the same 20 subjects, <laughs> you know, and, and tell it from the same 20 angles. And really it's looking at those things from different angles and from different subjects. Yeah, how do you, you know, obviously you have a perspective, if you come from a different area and say, hey, why don't I, you know, tell about this story. Yeah. Uh, how do you go about finding those? I think that's part of the challenge here. There's some you might not even think of. It's like, yeah, what about the, you know, the Native Americans that were already here? Or what about others that came across that maybe we don't know their story because it wasn't so dramatic or fantastic, but they had all, you know, different races, different, uh, you name it. How do you go about tracking those down? Yeah, I mean, there's natural connections, you know, mm -hmm. that I have um, working in the different positions that I have. And, and I think that's the key to it is really collaborating, right? Um, I, that's my advice to anybody. And if you find yourself on a team, on a project, in a room or something where everybody thinks the same as you and has had the same life experiences, it's not a bad thing, but in terms of getting you to where you need to be and educating yourself, right? Seeking out communities, getting proximate to them and saying like, what, what's your take on this? You know, general conference is a great example. You know, as we, there's singular messages that are given, but then as you talk to people, you hear about all different, I guess, interpretations, sure. if you will, right? And it's like, oh, interesting. I, I didn't pick that piece up. What did you pick up from that message? Mm. And so I think a lot of it has just been throughout the years collaborating with different individuals, learning their stories, asking their perspectives, um, you know, and everybody has a network and you just kind of keep building it out through there. You know, as you work uh, within the company and others, both the content creators and people working there, I think the, one of the biggest challenges in just in talking with you is becoming self-aware 
because we don't really usually step back and look at where we're coming from. Why do we tell the stories we do? Why do we even, you know, think some of the things that are maybe tradition, not necessarily anything that's what we say gospel truth kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, how's that experience been? Because sometimes it's probably pretty hard to be able to step back and say, oh, I, I had a hard time reframing this from where I've, what I've known. Yeah, I, uh, it's, it certainly can be a challenge, you know, and I think, um, but I think one of the, the nice things is that, you know, regardless of your background and stuff, we've all been in experiences where we've been comfortable and we feel like, okay, everyone, we're, we're vibing here, we're talking through these things. And then we've all had experiences where we kind of feel like we're the outsider sure. on those experiences. And, and I think sometimes it's just taking those experiences of, one time I felt like an outsider, what would have helped? You know, what would have helped me understand? And it's really at the core of it, right? It's empathy, sympathy. You know, I know there's different definitions and especially in other languages, sure. you know, but that ability, you know, and that mandate we have with our covenants to mourn with those that mourn in, in a lot of instances is just like, I don't quite understand why that person is feeling that way, but I'm going to take a step back and just think about it for a little bit. And then I think from that, comes some really good experiences and ability to be like, oh, I under, I, I get a little bit of it now. Mm. I understand that. Now. Yeah, I'm imagining from your own background, there are probably some pretty personal experiences where, you know, both both you know the same thing, where you're the insider or the outsider. Yeah. Uh, have you been able to draw upon that and what you're doing here? Yeah, you know, I I always think back, you know, and I I certainly in telling this don't want to demonize anyone. Um, I I think back, um, you know. The, the Trek event is such a big thing in church culture. And I remember when I was younger and they were prepping for Trek, there was this big excitement around these pre-activities where you'd, we're going to research our ancestors, you know, who came across the plains, and we're going to kind of role play as them, and you'll grow closer to your ancestor through these activities before you go on Trek. And it was kind of like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> hand goes up like, yes, like, my ancestors didn't come across the plains. And it was like, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure what we're going to do with this, you know. And I had great youth leaders, you know, and who cared about me a lot. But some of those experiences were like, oh, maybe, you know, and especially when you're 14 years old and your head is not on properly anyways, it's like, oh, I guess this activity is not for me right. then. You yeah. know, so I think drawing from some of those, you know, examples and things is it's just like, hmm. And as I work with the youth and make sure it's just like, not everybody has the same experiences, you know, and those things we kind of take for granted in teaching lessons that it's like, I mean, I, I love the, the hymns and primary children's songbook. And when you really read a lot of the lyrics of the primary children's songbook, you realize these are the like the upper goal to shoot for. Most people don't have these, right? Mm. I have a family here on earth. They are so good to me. I wish that was the case yeah. for every family, right? Uh, I think of the beautiful song, Love is Spoken Here. It's just like these are ideals. And if we're not careful, it's like we start to feel like, oh, man, I'm, I'm singing these songs, but none of this is... Yeah. It, it's my reality, and then sometimes we can feel like that that means it's not for me, right? Yeah. And sometimes it just takes somebody stepping in and you know, mourning with them, putting their yeah. arm around them, and saying, it, it can be for you. 
take a step back and look at it and make sure that it's a, it's a good fit yeah. and yeah, not leaving anybody out yeah. uh, for those particular reasons. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I ask you for some information. Uh, you sent me some information about you and your family. You got two kids, right? Yes. Yep. And for some reason, you're totally into K-pop. Tell me about that. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a, uh, a COVID 2020 <laughs> find where everyone was locked in and streaming services happened to have a lot of Korean dramas that were on there. And it was just kind of like, I, again, I love learning about other cultures. And so we just went, watched them. I think we're like 30 shows later, you know, <laughs> number of bands. We went to a BTS concert oh, you know, last fun. year before they disbanded. It was, it was fun stuff. So yeah. Uh, that's fun stuff to do as a family yeah. and intercultural, right? So they yeah. introduced that in as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just one last thing for you, uh, just back on the topic of this diversity, you know, inclusion. And uh, uh, what do you hope, you know, is accomplished in the end? What would you like to see? Or, you know, it's obviously always going to be an ongoing process, never going to end. But what would you like to see? You know, I, as I considered taking the position, you know, and thought about the diversity aspect, about the chance to expand internationally, um, you know, I was kind of going back and forth, praying about it. Is this the direction that, you know, I want to go, that my family should go? Um, and I, you know, I remember the biggest thing that drew me to it was looking at my children mm. um, and realizing that I could have a hand in raising them in a world where the books, the picture books that they read coming from Deseret Book, they could see kids that looked like themselves, you know, with all different skin tones, hair types, um, that they could hear these stories, that they could be proud of their ancestors sure. and their heritage. Um, and, and that was the biggest thing for me that really, so I guess, you know, uh, extrapolating that is really hoping that that's what we can achieve, right? Is that there are children on reservations, in inner cities, um, in some of the countries that we'll be launching to, um, that would love to hear faith-based artists, musicians, authors that look like them, that sound like them, that they can relate to and say, oh my gosh, like I've felt that and you felt that and this helps me on my journey back to the Savior. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, those big challenges for a worldwide church, but it's doable, yeah, right? Sure. Levi Hepperew, thank you so much. It's been good to chat with you. Wish you all the best, and uh, thanks for coming. Thank you so much for having me. 